You have arrived at your destination. Hey, everybody. Spoilers. Welcome to the Common Creatives Podcast. Spoilers. Episode about Robert Eggers. Robert Spoilers. (laughs) We wanted to include this tag because we are going to include spoilers for the work. uh, Eggers. Of Eggers. No, we're going to include Eggers. (laughs) Eggers? Yeah. Okay. We're going to egg this thing. Okay. To the high Just heavens. Wide open. <laughs> We're going to give spoilers <sighs> for the work of Robert Eggers. Yeah. What movies exactly, Joe, are we going to spoil the absolute shit out of? Uh, we're going to spoil the uh, horror <laughs> folk fairy okay. tale, The Witch. The Witch, yeah. And what I would consider the dark comedy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The Lighthouse. Yeah, it is sort of a dark comedy. It's a dark, twisted tale of two men in a yeah. lighthouse. Yeah. Bad things happen. Yeah. But I LOL'd several times. Lots of the farting movie, in that movie. Which I wasn't expecting. No. So we're going to spoil those. So if you haven't seen those, maybe go out and see them. The Witch, I think, at the time of this recording is on Netflix. And The Lighthouse oh, for is. Real? Yeah, I think so. I right bought now. it. Really? I guess I'm better. I guess you are, because you own it. So uh, The Witch is available digitally and on DVD and Blu-ray, whereas The Lighthouse, at the time of this recording anyway, is still in theaters. So go see it, and if you don't care, just listen to us talk about it. We get nerdy in this one. Why don't you care? Yeah, you ought to care. That's the real question. You should really care about things. Let's watch a square for a while. All right. Spin Spin it! it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, Joe? <laughs> I was just going to see who was going to speak first. I know. We were sitting there in silence for a good minute. Um, like the like the Chris Hardwicks of the world and their nerds, yeah. nerd casts. Yeah. They always have it rolling. They just have it rolling. Uh, yeah, and just, see, that, see, that works really nicely when you have a guest yeah. because then you're just having some conversational. We've been setting yeah. up for a few minutes. So yeah. <laughs> it's, less, it's a little bit less natural. Oh, uh, to do that. I have some notes. Ah. Oh, you got notes? Uh, oh, look at you coming well, depe- in with notes. It depends. Let me yeah. tell you. Tell me, please. Tell everyone, actually. It de- everyone. Yeah. It depends on... <gasps> yep. Thank <gasps> you, iCloud. I couldn't figure out how I... <laughs> like, I was took the notes yeah. on my notes app. Yeah, yeah. You know, on my compu- computer. Notes app on your computer. Okay. And uh, that syncs through iCloud. And I was sitting there okay. at the coffee shop earlier just waiting for it to pop up and it just never did does my notes app i don't uh, know what you, i don't know what yours does <laughs> this is a grandpa question i do not know does my notes app does i does how do i um you have to sync all your devices okay through icloud is that how you program your vcr yes yeah. okay good now good. what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to yeah. put a piece of uh uh you're going to take it take a piece of tape yeah and you're going to put it over that little hole you don't want to get that recorded over yeah is the thing that's crazy that a little hole in a... V- that's, that was the technology. That was the technology. We yeah. lost a film one time that you and I made because David. there wasn't... Yeah, the film David. It was a horror film. And I forget exactly what happened, but it got taped over because there was one copy of it and it didn't have a little piece of tape over that hole in the VHS cassette. Part of me and thinks... And it got taped over. 
part of me thinks so that it's better that way. It probably is. I have memories of shooting that, yeah. and it was gross yeah. and cold and creepy. And it we was. had this. So for everyone who's not us, we we, we made a short film in high school, I suppose. Uh, yeah, called, called David about a. A zombie killer type thing, thing at, a, at an abandoned house. I feel like my memories of how it felt making that were yeah. are better. Than are much better. I agree with it that. It must have. It had to have been awful. Right. It had to have been very bad. I remember yeah. some. I remember some of the scenes from it. Yeah. And I remember pushing. I was editing it on iMovie at yeah. the time, and I was pushing iMovie to the limit. Th- and that was like I think early, like what you think of as iMovie. Like yes, yes. I mean, I guess there's probably very, iMovie. V- for a while i don't how long has iMovie? Is it's this, been there a while i mean this would have been to the iMovie episode <laughs> that's why we're talking about this yeah garbage it's not nonsense. because it's not because we're off on a on a rabbit uh yeah. trail welcome everybody to the common creatives podcast uh my name is will i am joe that is joe over there looking at his notes on his on his fancy iCloud yeah synced up no, devices I, we, we got our first review oh yeah yeah and it wasn't okay. on itunes okay it was, it was, a, it was our, a, our buddy Sean sent me a text this It was morning. IRL? Oh, okay. Yeah, our buddy Sean Smith, who... Uh, yeah. I, I don't think they do the podcast anymore, but they used to have a podcast called Bout Time. Oh, yeah, Bout Time. It was very funny. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, um, lots definitely. of silliness, really funny guys. And yep. I produced uh, Sean's album. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sean's hilarious. The review is, I like the pod. Yeah. I love that Will tries to stick to the script so hard <laughs> and you're just having fun. <laughs> LOL, it's good. I mean, not, I look forward to more. I mean, not so hard, but yeah, no, yeah. that's fair. No, you, that is fair. I feel it. Yeah, when it happens. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, got my hat turned around backwards, yeah. tongue sticking out. Yeah, I'm ready to jump. Yeah, you know, you're sitting on your chair backward like a cool ass youth minister. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna have uh, some fun, guys. <clears throat> yeah. What are we talking about tonight? We're not talking about our feelings. Speaking here's, of me keeping things on track, here's, here's what are we talking about? Here's the problem. Yeah, what's the problem? We're talking about witches again. We are talking about witches again. Kind we of. we did not an episode. Really. We did a an little. episode about witches, but we are gonna we are gonna hit on that again. But we're also gonna hit on uh, talking about Neptune, right? Hmm. We're gonna talk about Neptune at some point. Um. Right. We? Yeah, we are. I don't know about Neptune. Damn you! <laughs> <laughs> Let Neptune strike you dead, Winslow. Oh, I, d- I okay. Yeah, that's, that's where Neptune. this is going. <laughs> that's where okay. I'm going. Yeah, absolutely. I did not look into any of the mythology <laughs> behind that movie. Are you serious? No, man. That's awesome. That's so good. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm going to bring to the table. We are talking about uh, writer, director. What else? What else is he? <laughs> Those are the two main things. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, guess that's enough. Could, I guess you call him a producer. He's an auteur. A- an auteur. Yeah. I, I have a lot to say about auteurs. Okay. So we're talking about Later. we're talking about Robert Eggers. Yeah. Who directed both uh, the witch, wrote and directed wrote both the witch and, and the witch and the lighthouse. The lighthouse. We just went and saw the lighthouse together a couple days ago. We did. I loved it. I enjoyed it a lot. This man has yeah. directed and written two of my favorite films of all time, and it's the two films he's made. So yeah. I'm very excited about the future. Of Have you seen Andrews. his short films? I haven't yet. I haven't no. either. I think he did a Tell Telltale Heart short film. Oh, that's right. And something else. Yeah. He and his brother both have a sort of Poe interest. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Robert Eggers. I mean, where? What do you? What do you want to? How do? How do you want to open it with it? Just general thoughts <clears throat> about Eggers, or 
What do you well, got for me? Let's, for those who don't know, let's define what an auteur is. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I've listened to a lot of interviews with Eggers and yeah. uh, I, I think Ari Aster. I think we yeah. can kind of touch on him a little bit as yeah. well. We'll do an Ari Aster episode. Yeah, in we the will. Future. But these guys are buddies and these guys n- nerd about the same things. Yeah. I think they approach the craft in a similar yet different kind of way. Yeah. And I think, uh, okay, I'll, I'll get there later. So an auteur. Um, <laughs> yeah, what's an auteur? Uh, Robert Eggers refers to himself as, he says auteur, but I okay. I prefer auteur. Sure, but he's wrong. So yeah. He's wrong. Yeah. yeah. Keep going. Um, <laughs> an auteur is an artist, usually, yeah. usually, usually a film director, right. who applies a highly centralized and subject, subjective control to many aspects of a collaborative creative work. Okay. Um, In other words, a person equivalent to an author of a novel or a play. So if you think about an author in a novel having just complete control over the world, an auteur would do that. And I've also heard an auteur described as a writer, director, actor in a movie. Oh, actor as well. Um, Well, uh, if you think about um, Citizen Kane, Orson Welles, he was, I I guess, maybe the the first, like, romanticized auteur of the, you know, of the filmmaking. Hollywood, I guess. Yeah. It it makes sense. I mean, uh, you know, so we'll we'll get into and say a lot about Eggers. Why is that so interesting? I'm very interested in auteurs. I think it's, it's a fascinating thing, whether you like them or don't like them, their particular work. It's just such an interesting, do you think it's just because we can't really wrap our heads around how collaborative a film actually is and we need to sort of centralize it in one person? Um, maybe, but at the same time, like I, I would say that regardless of how collaborative it is, an auteur has a very tight noose around yeah. that collaboration. Sure. But is that is that why that's so fascinating to us? Because it's uh, one person who has so much control? So much the- control and just so much like when you think of the the name the term visionary, yeah. like it it, yeah. it gives you a level of importance of like like some some sort of like fiction fiction prophet, yeah, speaks the stories yeah. into existence and yeah. I fiction mean, prophet, that's the name of my new band. That's pretty good. Fiction prophet yeah. on Spotify now, or are you just going digital? Uh, or are you just selling cassettes like or, like cool new Gen Z bands? Yeah, yeah, just cassettes. <laughs> Music video on VHS. Yeah, a VHS or VH1, both. <laughs> uh, so Robert Eggers, um, I don't have a ton about his background. I know he has a background in theater. Uh, yeah, I know production. a little bit. I, I know he, uh, he a background in theater. Yeah, was very interested in like Poe and Shakespeare growing up. So a lot of like the the dialect and dialogue and in, in the witch for him wasn't necessarily that difficult. Yeah, but getting the specific dialect is. You know, there's a lot of research that has to be done, but yeah. as far as the way of speaking felt felt natural to him. Yeah, he's interested in all those sort of old dialects yeah. and so forth. I mean, that's that's one of the big things that I have here, and one of the reasons that I think even as I mean, you're more of a film guy than I am. I mean, I love movies, but like you're deep in that world. But one of the reasons that Eggers particularly stands out to me yeah. is because Eggers is a researcher, right? Yeah. I mean, he, his skill set. He could be doing mm-hmm. academic research if he wanted so, to. Yeah, so Eggers is quoted saying that he, uh, folklore and yeah. um, mythology and old tales, those yeah. types of things, are his obsession. Yeah. And cinema comes second to that. Right. I've seen him say that in 
interviews as right. well where he's and, he, like, and he's like i he's like i love cinema obviously yeah, yeah. to make a, a a feature film happen and you don't like the craft like you're just a, a, a lunatic because it's yeah. so hard to do yeah and i i think i i i can understand why you gravitate towards eggers and i, yeah. I like eggers a lot yeah but for me, like I, I lean a little bit harder in an Ari Aster in, into like a, a filmmaker. That's, in, that's interesting. Who's a little bit more about the the style. Yeah. Um. But yep. if but at the same time, if you hear these two filmmakers in a conversation, they're talking about capturing images and close ups. Yeah. With certain types of film stocks or oh, of course, or lenses, and it's very. They've both done their homework. It's very crafty yeah you know as far as filmmaking is. the filmmaking craft so yeah I, th- I think one of the things that makes me very interested in Egger's work and again I'm going off two films yeah. which is sort of the totality of his filmography in terms of full feature lengths at yeah. this point right but one of the reasons I'm so interested in him is because he is such a world builder right on such a all the way down to a nuance that's why I say if he wanted to be writing so, academic papers and publishing them exactly. he could well I mean think think about like Tarantino yeah Tarantino is obsessed with cinema, right? Yes. And he builds these big worlds. Yeah. All referencing yeah. movies you've seen, the movies you loved growing up. Yeah. Or, or at least now, movies he loved growing he up. He loved growing up. <laughs> yeah. Movies that you're discovering yeah. through him, right? Sure. Um, Eggers is building a world from uh, something he's never experienced but obsesses about. Yes. So he's obsessed yes. with how would a Puritan woman during the Salem witch trials, what would her nightmare be? Yeah. And that's something he could never go back to. No. So he's building these big worlds of like, and and he's just kind of living in these worlds, right? He is. So, and he also isn't a big fan of horror movies. So like as a kid, when he, when he saw uh, Fangoria magazine, he'd be like, that's too much. Too much. That's not for me. Yeah. Which he, is why his the horror that he has in both of the films that he's put out so far is more subtle. It's yeah. more subtle. It's a more atmospheric horror. Right. It's less in-your-face gore, he grew violence. Up, he grew up daydreaming about stories about witches yeah. and, and ghouls. And yeah. like he's trying to just well, live in those worlds. And, and so one of the things that I love about the worlds that he's built in the two films, The Witch and The Lighthouse, is that he focuses on these sort of minute details of daily life and the sort of patterns of behavior and how we live, and especially his use of various dialects and ways mm-hmm. of speaking, he really is able to, in both of those films, you can understand the sort of emotional negotiations that are happening, and you're in the story and you're invested. But at the same time, I think he's very good at helping us to understand that various points in human history and in human culture and in different geographic locations are so different. Like one of the reasons I think I like him is because he shows very clearly how influential the culture around you is in building what your world feels like. Right. I mean, both of these worlds in The Witch and also in The Lighthouse feel like they could be timeless, placeless other planets, right? right? But the interesting thing is they feel like they could be other planets, but he's known for his sort of historical accuracy. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like those things make me be able to sort of realize, oh my goodness, like different human beings at different points in history have had lives that were completely different than mine. Right. Right. There's not as much sort of commonality of, well, everybody does it this way. Yeah. It's sort of a, man, these things could be wildly different, but it's still planet Earth. It's just a different time kind of thing. Right. And I think that's, 
that's really, really interesting. And and to speak to what you were saying a minute ago, I think one of the things that he's particularly interested in is psychological reality of the characters. Right. So he, he seems like he's very interested in... So for the witch, he's interested in the superstitions. And then for the lighthouse, he's interested in those superstitions having to do with the sea and stuff like that. But it's very much about the psychological reality. You know, I came across yeah. an interview where he said something to... He said something to the effect of, if you believe that something's true, that's the end. Right. And so it's not really about what is the sort of empirical reality. It's about this is the psychological world in which these characters live. And I don't know. I just think that's fascinating. That's yeah. why I'm part of why I'm so drawn to him as yeah. a as an artist and as a filmmaker. Sure. If that makes sense. So for a lot of a lot of young filmmakers, um, especially filmmakers like Eggers who are trying to make horror movies but that a lot of people don't necessarily consider horror like yeah you know his thought on the witch specifically and it's different than the lighthouse but his thought on the witch was this is what you know my goal was to make a horror movie so to me it is a horror movie but I could see why people don't see it as a horror movie so I think there's something really interesting about genre in general Mm -hmm. like I, I wonder who the who you would consider like the gatekeeper um for genre to be is that you know is that the audience or is that oh yeah kind of older older filmmakers and it's the same with like books and like yeah. you know literary fiction classic writers saying that you know stephen king isn't it's you know he's he's a genre writer he's yeah. not a writer yeah yeah um so you have these young filmmakers who who grew up on these spooky movies yeah and but they're also just like marty would say they love cinema right yeah, yeah. but so you, you, you have these filmmakers who are like well i'm making I guess you could call it art house horror. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, I'm wondering, is there a line between genre filmmaking? Uh, is it intent? Is it the intent of the filmmaker to scare you? Or is it or is, or, or is it Eggers just trying to... The idea that it would have been frightening to live yeah. like these people lived and to have the fears that these people have, but it's much more about this weird Puritan family dynamic. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, in terms of the question of, of is, you know, uh, just to oversimplify what you just said, those are all interesting things. But one, one question that's at the heart of that, right, is, is the witch, for example, a genre film or is it something more, whatever we would call it? I don't know what yeah. the, what, what's the, what's the equivalent in film of sort of literature? You know, I don't know. Right. I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah. Cinema, I guess, in Scorsese's terms but i I mean one thing that i think pushes it into genre is that he's and this is just a plot based point and spoilers for the witch in the lighthouse i'm sure we've put a tag on the beginning of this but nevertheless there are supernatural things at at hand in the witch and so i feel like because no 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 there is a witch and there is a sort of satanic coven that pushes it to some extent, even though you have all the all the juicy stuff sure. that you would have. But, but is there though with this? Like, oh, I see. You know, like yeah. she floats up at the end, but yeah. is is that metaphor? You know, is, it did she right. find a group of like minded people? I mean, to me, it's like yeah, yeah she's you know, Black Philip is speaking to her. Yeah. Um, all of these terrible things, you know, yeah, happened. But with a movie like this, like it's like you know, in, in a Freddy movie, like oh yeah. no, yeah, these people no, no, are no. being Freddy is there. 
he is after yeah, them. killed in their dreams. Does does the witch, because I, I had never, and I, I think you've said things to this effect to me before that have made me think about it, but I had never read, and I certainly didn't come away with watching the film, thinking it's a possibility that this is just a naturalist tale about a Puritan family right. with some psychological elements. Like, I came away thinking, right. no, 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 it just... It was a, there was a witch, right? There yeah. was a witch, and she's involved in some sort of satanic, sure. you know, coven, and that's the story. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, was it was were there things in the narrative that made you think that it could be read in that way, or um, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, fair I, enough. Yeah, I, 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 other than like just the idea of so the movie starts off with like you know it's it's a of the time and and even probably relatable now to, yeah. to some people in, in sure. certain like very kind of uh protestant i guess religions but yeah the idea of being banished from your um your community spiritual yeah. community yeah and then finding fitting in somewhere else yeah um i don't know like I, I think it probably could be read that like this family's grip on spiritual norms and cultural norm norms kills kills them yeah that they you yeah. know that and that the daughter sort of starts to slip into what sure. madness or something like this uh yeah. toward the end or uh, yeah yeah madness or just acceptance of her human her humanity her, her humanity yeah um and uh, i think eggers cast her she was like one of the first people that he cast but yeah. he cast her because when you look in her face it's it it really feels like a mystery yeah um, originally, I think he had intended to cast somebody who was, and he these are his words, not mine, mm-hmm. a very homely, yeah, Protestant, not sure. very attractive, just girl. This actor who the the young girl who plays her is a was a model before, right? Yes. So I mean, she she yeah. looks like a model. She has this mm-hmm. very interesting, very interesting, yeah. very wide set eyes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and but when you look at her face, it's like you don't really know what she's feeling yeah um definitely well and we've been and we've been talking already about the witch but just to just to mark it right let's dig into the witch for a little bit before we talk about the lighthouse and let's sort yeah. of isolate those a little bit so the witch is a it's, the subtitle is a new england folktale mm-hmm. uh or fa- is it for folktale or fairy tale i have folktale in my notes but uh, i feel like that might be wrong yeah um, i'm not sure nevertheless it, it signals that it's something like a fairy tale in the in the thing and i saw where eggers has described it as a puritan's nightmare one thing that i love about this film um that i thought was uh interesting creatively and it's not really creative because it's just referencing the actual history yeah but he does a good job at communicating how real their theology was Mm -hmm. right and how real their god was in every part of their lives there's no i mean you're living at a time where there is no separation of like your regular life and then your religious stuff yeah it's just that God is real and it, it's everywhere. Yeah, you want your it, food to grow. like Exactly. It yeah. influences everything. And what it reminded me of, one of the other films that has made me feel this way um, that I thought was really interesting was Noah by um, Aronofsky. Have you seen that film? I have, yeah. Yeah. It made me feel the same sort of way. It's this sort of mythological setting where even though you don't see God or anything, it's just that concept is infused into every single thing. And it's such a harsh, which it really was, right? Uh, it's such a harsh theology. There's a, scene yeah. in, there's a scene in The Witch where the baby has disappeared mm-hmm. and the family is wondering where the baby's gone. And the son and the father go off into the woods and they're like trying to find food because their crops aren't doing great. Mm-hmm. 
and the son sort of breaks down into tears and says something to the effect of, if the baby's dead, can you tell me that it's going to go to heaven, right? Yeah. And and the father, the essentially the essential answer, which is correct, I mean, I'm a religious studies guy, it's correct from a Calvinist perspective, the father goes, no, I can't tell you that. Only yeah. God knows where people go after they die. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's so like, it's just this such this harsh thing, like this kid yeah. just lost his baby brother, yeah, and there's no room for comfort. There's no room for comfort. No, only God knows uh, where where your your probably dead baby brother is gone. <laughs> it's just so harsh. That baby got um, eaten. That baby got eaten. And the fact that this is just so, I mean, relatively recent in human history right. is just, oh, it's just so interesting. And that goes back to Eggers being just a world builder, where you yep. feel like, yeah, I understand to some extent what it would feel like, right, emotionally to live in this world. Just phew, fantastic. What else you yeah. got on the witch? Anything? Oh, I got a bunch of stuff on the witch. Yeah, of course um, you do. You... Of course I do. So speaking of the young boy, uh, Caleb, his death scene yeah. is affecting. It's, it's intense. It's make you feel weird. Feel very <laughs> weird. He. Um, so for those so. Who, who haven't seen the film, go see the film. But uh, he's dying essentially. He has, and I forget the plot points that have led up to his death. Uh, do you remember? I'm, I'm trying to think. I oh. want to say he gets left in like left in the woods. And left then... in the woods, and he he comes into contact with the witch, the witch, the yeah. witch's house. The yes, and he sees her, and she kisses him essentially, or something, right? right? And then uh, I forget how he shows up back with the family at their location, but yeah. nevertheless, he he's dying in a he's sick. He's sick, and he's dying in a room, and he starts to speak in these in- I didn't write down any of the lines I should have no I but didn't either he starts um, to speak in these sort of obviously like 1600s Protestant language and apparently yeah. Eggers pulled that stuff from accounts of children who had been supposedly possessed. possessed yeah exactly yeah and it's just so terrifying and awful. Yeah, and the and I mean the performance is like does not feel like a child. That's no, why it's, it's so it's so yes. off-putting but at the same time you're like Wow, this is special. <laughs> I, yes, it. it absolutely is. This this was the scene where I had seen this movie a couple times, and then I uh, wanted to show it to Maggie because it's super good. And so we sat down to watch it. <laughs> it was I forget what it was. This was months and months ago. But we sat down to watch it at like ten a.m. Oh, and it was just not a good idea. Yes, <laughs> it was like let's start our day off <laughs> let's right. Start our day off right. And we got to the scene of Caleb's death, and she was like, "No, you have to turn this off. I can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not good for like ten a.m." Yeah. But he, when he dies, he they pull an apple out of his mouth. Right. And it's like rotting, I think. Mm-hmm. And so the symbolism built in there is very interesting yeah. in terms of you know the sort of Adam and Eve creation story and all this stuff, sort of temptation sure. and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Just, I don't know, Eggers is just so smart with his mythological themes where he doesn't hit the nail on the head, but they're all built in there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Your thoughts on the witch? Any other other thoughts you have on the witch? What's the witch about? Let me ask you that. I mean, like I said, I think I I read it a little differently than many, but to me, it's it's about a a young woman discovering herself. Yeah. And I I don't know if that was the intent or not. Um, Yeah. And I, I feel like I feel differently having seen the movie a while ago than I did probably as soon as I watched it. Oh, yeah. It's been a while since I've seen the movie, and like yeah. the feelings I have of... It, it's more of a warm feeling, which is weird, no, I think, I get to that. feel. Yeah. Um, well, and I mean, I agree with you. I, I do think the film is about a young woman discovering herself, and I think it's about, I think it's about sort of femininity to some extent yeah. and the sort of repressive nature of particular social systems. Yeah. But I don't know that it's like a clearly pro-witch 
piece of art. No. Because, no, I mean, with the um, first contact you see with a witch, she, we don't see this on screen, but she murders an infant and yeah. grinds it up and rubs it all over herself. Right. <laughs> it's pretty damn brutal. It's, it's <laughs> like, bad. Yeah, it's really, really bad. So I don't know that it's like, it's not like the witch is the good guy in the film. No. Right? No, definitely not. No, yeah. I, I, I don't know that this film, I, I, the protagonist is obviously the young girl. And I think they really kind of drag, you know, the filmmaker drags her through the mud the most, I think, as far as just her experience growing up with these kind of like really rigid, harsh people, right? Yeah. As far as the hero's journey, I guess maybe that's why I see it that way, because I'm so ingrained in like the the Western style. You're looking for those I'm looking for the the hero's journey. Like to me, she's the hero. Yeah. At the end, she finds her people. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But that's co- that's complicated. Maybe it is. Her complicated. people are not good people. They don't seem to be. Yeah. But at the same time, like you know, taxi driver, right? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Sure. He's, he's the hero. Yeah. Um, it's one of these complicated it's one things. Of those. And uh, um, you know, so speaking of of her people are not the good people, right? One of the most sort of iconic things from that film, to me at least, is Black Philip, uh, yeah, the goat. Um, and that was that that scene. Where I think I think it's just a close up on her face, yes. and then you just hear Black Phillip you just speak. Hear. Uh, you and I watched that like <laughs> during the day. Whew. I think it, yeah. I think it was starting to maybe get dark out. Yeah, but, like yeah, we did. That was the part of the movie that like I was just enjoying the rest of it. That part for whatever reason. Yeah, I think it has something to do with my gr- just growing up in a religious background. Sure, you know the, the same reason that The Exorcist scares so many of us yeah. so much yeah it's just that idea of like and you know like for me like the only time that i'm really ever truly scared when it comes to that kind of thing like uh-huh. if i have a dream about demon possession and wake oh, up yeah, yeah yeah i have trouble yeah like if i have a dream about someone trying to get me and i wake up yeah. i'm like oh they're not here i'm glad yeah. that i'm i'm glad <laughs> yeah. that's not real i'm sure. gonna go to bed and just, yeah. just go back to sleep but yeah. demon possession sticks with you it's oh, it's interesting it's, yeah yeah, uh, I've experienced like sleep paralysis and that kind of thing. Oh man, I've never had that happen. Um, that sounds terrifying. It's, it's awful. It does it, sound awful. It's, you, because when you wake up, you can tell that it's you're not exactly where like it. There yeah. feels like there's a slight disconnect. Oof. But the the dream like you're in your bed. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And there's something right there on your shoulder growling, oh. trying to get you right. Oh no! And you can't move. <laughs> um, it's awful. <laughs> it's awful. It's it's one of the worst experiences it's I've so bad ever had in my in my yeah. <laughs> my sleep life. So that scene. But that being said, that scene I think yeah. for me kind of triggers some of that, whatever that is. Sure. This yeah. idea of this disembodied, demonic yeah thing in the room with you when you thought you were alone. And I think one of the things I mean now that we're talking about this, I think one of the things that's so interesting. I love that scene so much and it is off-putting to me as well. Mm-hmm. Um potentially for different reasons, but you know, one of the things that that scene reminds me of is when you're a child and you have these ideas of things that you know can't happen, yep. right? You know that. I mean, even those kids know who are living in this Puritan world. They yep. know that a, that a goat's not going to talk back to them. Yep. I mean, they all know that, right? Yep. They know that's not going to happen. And so when she goes and talks to Black Philip, and she says, "Answer me," over and over and over, it's like one of those things where you're like, "But what if it just happened one time? Do you yep. know what I mean? What if it just answered me?" Yep. And then when it does, right? Black Philip starts. I mean, I guess I, it never fully coherently explains what black philip is but presumably it's satan satan incarnate. some sort of 
some sort Demon of or evil black evil thing. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's just uh, it's one of those things where you feel that anticipation of like, what if it did happen? And yeah. then it does, right? Uh-huh. Uh, but Black Philip has come to be such a there's a lot of fan art about Black Philip. He's come yeah. to be such an icon of sort of the devil or Satan or even beyond that, just sort of a like symbol of like a rebellion against mm-hmm. sort of Protestant expectations or something like that. And Black Philip has become his own sort of icon and hero yeah. in a type of way, mm-hmm. um, at least in some like online sort of settings or contexts. Apparently um, very difficult to work with. Yeah, that's what I, <laughs> I came across I that too. gored somebody yeah, and then sent him to the hospital. <laughs> That's awful. But it looked great. He yeah. looks great on camera, so yeah. totally so, worth it. Um <laughs> Yeah, he does. It, it, it's 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 pretty wonderful. Yeah. So this movie, um, for from a, a fairly unknown um filmmaker, he was surprised when he started winning awards at festivals. Yeah. Uh, I think he got a big he got some sort of director award at Sundance. Yeah. And he even the night of Sundance his manager or his his agent started fielding calls from studios <laughs> saying uh that's wild for franchises. For franchise. I heard this um, as well. Yeah. And he and he was like, "You know, that was the moment I realized what the machine actually was." Yeah. He's like They've never seen my movie. They've never seen it. They just know he they're won not an award. Gonna, they're not going to watch my movie. Like it's 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 just yeah. about like it's just an investment strategy, essentially. Right. Right. This right. guy won an award. Let's give him a franchise. We'll make some money. Um, but I, I do think The Witch's success has created a monster. Okay. He, he shot this movie, uh, The Witch, on... Um, he shot this movie on the Ari Alexa, which okay. is, in, in, in the film world, it's a digital camera. Yeah. The best one, okay. right? Um, yeah. A lot of people shoot on Reds. Some yeah. people shoot on Sonys. Whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> um, Roger Deakins, for you nerds out there... Well, shoots on the Alexa now. Like he's okay. the sh- he shot Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Like he's, yeah. he okay. he's like yeah. This this camera holds up. Yeah. So it's like the best, right? The best digital camera you can afford. Yeah. He did not shoot the lighthouse digitally. Yes. Not only did he not shoot it digitally. Yeah. He shot it in one of the most difficult ways you could he could have chosen to shoot yeah. this movie. And I think <laughs> after the success of the lighthouse, this dude's gonna. I see. Rightfully so. He's a trendsetter. He's become... Yeah. I think he's becoming the pretentious filmmaker that he always <laughs> dreamed he could be. Sure, of course. Um, when so, he made The Witch, he was just a, a 30-year-old kid. Did, that, did you a know. bunch of people follow in his footsteps of... Or, oh, you're saying... Okay, I see what you're saying. You're saying The Witch created a monster in Robert Eggers. Yes. I see. Okay. He yes. now has the means... He can do whatever be, he wants. Yeah. You know, he... <laughs> yeah. He makes this movie, The Lighthouse. Yeah. Um, not a huge budget. Yeah. But he shoots it... Um, in uh, an aspect ratio, let's talk about aspect ratio. So let's let's okay. Let's don't get p- me no 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 don't get me started. No no on no. Aspect ratio. I want to talk about aspect ratios, but okay. I want to put a pin and say let's call it on the witch and let's move over and talk about the lighthouse because that's where yeah. we're going anyway. Sure. So let's because the first note that I have for lighthouse is aspect ratio. Yeah. That's that's I I didn't understand when I went to see it, and I told you this. Yeah. I didn't understand. I saw the lighthouse um a, a few days before Joe, and then we went and saw it together. I didn't know, and I hadn't read that the aspect ratio was weird and for for people who are to some extent like me and don't know crap about yeah. anything this means essentially when you go see it in the theater it doesn't fill the entire screen so yeah right? let, uh, a really quick yeah. uh lesson on aspect ratio yeah go for it and the reason why today it's hard to understand yep so today the reason it's hard to understand when we want to shoot a, diff- a separate aspect ratio yeah 
your camera has a sensor on it. Uh-huh. And the sensor is a specific size. Okay. Okay, whether it's a big square or or uh, a rectangle or whatever, a right? A broad rectangle, yeah. A lot of those sensors will 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 uh, show you this 16 by 9 image. Think uh-huh. of your widescreen TV. Yeah. That's, that's an aspect ratio. Yeah. So, and that's what a lot of TV shows are now shot on. It's a wide rectangle. Right. It's sure. a wide rectangle. It's not scope it's not like super uh-huh. wide right but it's like a nice middle of the line but it sure as hell ain't ratio. a square right yeah so now if we want to shoot say on your iphone say you want to shoot uh, an anamorphic looking aspect uh-huh. ratio something narrow wide very old school westerny right yes you crop it digitally yes and in premiere or or iMovie or whatever you have sure you export a different size and then you can uh-huh. kind of move that image around to reframe it within that new aspect ratio. Okay. Yeah. That's the easy way to do it. Yeah. Let's rewind to film <laughs> cameras. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So on film, your your aspect ratio yeah. is the shape of the frame on your roll of film. Is actually the physical shape. The physical of shape the, yes, um, of the film. And I'm sure reel. many of because filmmaking has become a much more kind of somewhat knowledgeable thing of like the, the yeah. craft and way people do it i'm sure you guys have heard the term anamorphic sure like jj abrams anamorphic flares yes. right lens flares yes so what anamorphic is it's it's a specific ratio it's when you start out as a young kid and you go on an adventure yeah and but you, you flip, can turn you into a badger the pages yes yeah and, yeah and you slowly we've become, all been there yeah yeah <laughs> so um if you think of like roughly a 16 by 9 frame right like yeah. your, your tv sure um, and you watch a movie that's shot anamorphic, there uh-huh. are black bars on the top and bottom. Yeah. So when Sergio Leone was making these movies, you have to shoot them with an anamorphic lens. Yep. So what the lens does is takes the 16 by 9, and it's not 16 by 9, but, but I'm just using that yeah, as a reference. Sure. It takes that frame, yep. and the lens will shoot more width, mm-hmm. but it shoots it in and squishes it. Yeah, and to make it fit. To make words. it... So if you actually looked at the negatives, yeah. everyone would look very weird and skinny. Yeah, So because they've been squished. Right. Yep. You cut the movie that way, and then when you project it in the theater, yeah. there's another lens that reverses that okay. and makes Spreads it super it back wide. Out. Sure. So you only have so much real estate on the actual film. Yes. They even experimented with flipping the film vertical. Okay. So where, you know, instead of like a ladder, stair-step yeah. ladder, it was sideways to where oh, the long part of the film, because you can get a wider image. Yeah, that makes sense. And there are tons of different ways they tried to do it. Uh-huh. And now it's just, you have a camera sensor. How yep. much of it do you want to use? Sure, because it's become digital. So that's why aspect ratio originally was such... A hot topic because it's like, yeah. what can you physically because produce? Because initially it was a very practical engineering problem. Yes. Essentially. And now it's not, at least if you're shooting digital. If you're shooting digital, crop it however, crop make it, it, do whatever you want. Make it the size of, of a, a vertical iPhone, yes. whatever. Like it's, yes. it's super simple problem. So that being said, Robert Eggers decided <clears throat> and his team decided yep. not to film this digitally. Right. At least in its totality, or did they? Only use film for this. Only not, film. Only film. Okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. I knew they used multiple... They used camera technology from multiple eras. Right. <laughs> which is pretty interesting, which I think so, you can kind of see in the film. The the way that he actually wanted to shoot it would uh-huh. have been much too expensive okay. because they would essentially have to have been recreating 
um, the right kind of film stock. And, the, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, sure. It's like at some point, yeah. like, this is the monster you were talking about. Yes, right exactly. Here. Yes. So the movie's in black and white. Yeah. It wasn't shot in color and then graded in black and white. It was it's shot. black and white film stock. Yes. Um, and that was... There is no color sh- color cut of this movie. A color version of this movie yes. does not exist. Yes. The producers are like, foreign markets <laughs> like co- color, can I we just that. shoot it in color? And he can said, please? no. No. And no. because of the success of The Witch... <laughs> they were like, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whatever so, you need. Uh, the aspect ratio is almost a complete square. So yeah. if you think of Academy and if you think of like growing up with your square-ish TVs, yeah. those are still wider than a square. They those are. are four by four by three. But they're closer. They're closer. Yeah. Um, this is almost a complete square. Yes. Um, really, it's going to be really weird to watch uh, on a small TV at home when it comes out on it is. iTunes. Yeah, it is. In the theater, it's actually a really interesting, it is interesting kind of experience. When I was watching it and I hadn't read about the aspect ratio, I thought it was a sort of artistic choice at the beginning of the film the film we're opens, gonna get there i thought yes i was i kept waiting and my brain even filled it in a little bit where i was like oh it's starting like it's starting yeah. to get wider nope it doesn't get wider i thought it was just gonna open up mm-hmm. into that aspect ratio but nope it's just takes up part of the screen the yeah. whole time and so one thing that i that i came across about this which makes complete sense from a creative perspective is when you have something that's almost as tall as it is wide when you're shooting a vertical structure like yeah. a lighthouse, it's able to, to some extent, take up more real estate in what you're right. seeing. Uh, and then also, and I don't know the ins and outs of the mechanics of how this works, but apparently you're able to get more intense close-ups, right? Right. Well, you're you're utilizing every bit of the yes. screen, whereas yes. it, if, if you want a really tight close-up on someone's face... yeah. You just have to deal with a lot of negative space on either side. Yes. Whereas every bit of real estate is all face. (laughs) And if you notice, what's interesting is that he used very chiseled and square featured actors. Oh, he did. Yeah. Um, It's chin bone or excuse me, cheekbones for days. Yeah. And and, and I think that fed into not their features, but what fed into him, him just kind of getting his way with how he's making this. He made the witch and he gets an... Uh, an email from Willem Dafoe's or his manager or somebody. Yeah. Willem Dafoe contacts him and saying, how can we work together? Yeah. I loved your first movie that you thought no one would see. <laughs> yeah. Robert Pattinson emailed him. I would love to Same work together. Thing. Yeah. Um, and, and Pattinson was even like, I want to make sure it's a weird thing. Yeah. Like let's yeah. make let's 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 keep this challenging and weird. Yeah, I heard that he sent him a a script that he was working on or or a project he was attached to or something. He was sent he sent Pattinson this other potential part and it was just like a, a Victorian gentleman or something like this and Pattinson was like that's not weird enough. That's not enough of a no, challenge. Well, like I'm not know, going to do that for, part. For for a, a British uh, a, yeah. a classically trained British actor, yeah. once you play that, yeah. Um, You've done it historically. Once you play that, that's what you do. That's who you are. And to some, and ex- even though he like, yeah, obviously he's trying to separate himself from the Twilight. He franchise. is. That's what he's trying to do. Yeah. But because of that experience, yeah, he is so strict about the roles he takes. He does not want to get typecast. Yeah. Right. Uh, which, which is, is exciting which is, is that him <laughs> choosing to play the Batman. It's so good. I'm so ready. Right. Um. Yeah. Absolutely. So the, the the lighthouse for those who aren't familiar and are just indulging uh, by listening to the sound of our our sweet sweet voices in your ears is about 
is it is what you would call a two-hander, right? It's two people. It's Willem Dafoe yeah. and Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. There are other people who appear in the movie, but long and short of it is, I mean, those are the only speaking roles. <clears throat> yeah. And so it takes place all on this isolated rock with a lighthouse. There are two lighthouse keepers. Yeah. One last thing about the craft. And yeah, the please. Stock. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to give the listeners and you, if you didn't know this, an idea of of the monster that I'm talking about. Yeah. The film stock they chose was a type of film stock and he chose it because like if you watch the movie, the bright parts are bright, the dark parts are very dark, so there's yeah. a lot of contrast, a yeah. lot of like the shadows are very intense, right? Yes. But whenever there's fall off or when when the light starts to kind of fall into shadows, yeah. it's a really smooth fall off into nothing, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. The way the film stock works and they used a lot of practical lights to light it. Yeah. So like when they have like a, a lantern on and they're sitting there eating dinner, right? Yeah. When you're when you're looking at it, it has really really contrasty, really cool look. Yeah. But on set, in order to to get enough light into that film stock to yeah. get the, a proper exposure, yeah, they were using 800 watt halogen light bulbs <laughs> for the for the for oil lanterns. lanterns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that lantern the, the crew, would have just the crew yeah. had to wear sunglasses seriously during night interior shoots. Goodness! So, so it would have been just so bright and there, coming out of that there would oil have, lantern. And there, and to answer any questions, is this the only way to get this type of look? Yeah. No. No, it's not. No, it's you the can, nerdiest way to get this it's type the nerd, of. Look. <laughs> it's it's about the process. <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah. You know, because for him, it's like. Yeah, we could shoot it on the Alexa, crop yeah. it digitally, and, and and grade it however we want it. But he's way more into like, <laughs> like the tale that he's telling. Of course, and, and the craft. It's not as much. I don't think it's much as about making movies as it is just putting people through an experience. He's. I mean, and this is part of where there are a couple things there. The process is where you can tell he's into sort of high art traditions yeah. in various ways, right? I mean, it's it, you see this in visual art a lot as well, and he draws from some visual artists for some of his like lookbooks and stuff like that. He'll go back to naturalist painters yeah. of the modern era, et cetera, et cetera. But you can tell he's influenced by high art because he's so interested in process. Mm-hmm. It's not only about the outcome. It's about what it took for him to get there right. or the way in which he got to where he got. Because there were other ways to get there. There are other ways to have this movie called The Lighthouse in this aspect ratio that looked in this certain way. Mm-hmm. But he didn't want to get there in any of those ways. He wanted to do his right. own special thing. I f- you- and I feel like he probably, like, yeah. if he had made The Witch, yeah. you know, he would have made it in a very different way. Than if he, he had the did. resources. If he had the resor- yeah. resources. But sure. it's very expensive to shoot on film. Yeah. More expensive to shoot on weird Weird old school. Rate, you know, yeah. like... <laughs> yeah. um, for sure. So, like, you know, picking your battles is really important as a director. Yeah. And he's got enough power at this point to pick the right battles. And he had to give up a few battles. Like, sure. There was a scene in the movie where um, there was a match cut from uh, a man's erect penis to a lighthouse. And the producer yeah. basically said, listen, we've... Come on. We've fielded <laughs> so many... Like, you can't have a... Uh, a, yeah. a square black and white yeah. weird tale of a movie yeah. and it be rated you, NC-17. You can't have a dick in there. Come on, man. 
Yeah. And he's like, you know what? You're People right. don't Thank- like to see dicks in movies, dude. Do you not? Know- no. <laughs> Do you not know that? Nobody likes that. He does have a scene where uh, Robert Pattinson is furiously masturbating, and it shows the lighthouse upside down, and then it turns right side up, which I thought was very clever. I did not catch that. <laughs> it's very clever and Freudian. So let's jump. Let's jump into. Uh, so we've talked a bunch about the sort of craft yeah. element of it. I want to jump into the sort of content a little bit because I sure. feel like nerd or not, people can dig into the content of this movie. It's it's very interesting, and there's a lot to chew on. I sort of. Um, my initial takeaway, and I wrote this down quickly after I saw it the first time because I wanted to remember this. So my quick summary takeaway of this film was this movie is like if H.P. Lovecraft was more subtle and better at narrative and he wrote a stage play right. and then they filmed it in the style of a 1930s Universal Monster movie. Like yeah. That's what this film reminded me of. Um, which makes total sense that it was right up my alley. But this movie's not really pulpy. It's not. We've talked about we've talked about pulp versus character and 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 plot versus character and all that stuff. But this movie is not pulpy. No, but I think that's what's that's what's so impressive about this movie is that like if you were to novelize not do a novelization of what this story is, yeah. It would be literary fiction. It would. It'd be very character driven. Yes. It is about what happens, but not really. Not that much. Yeah. Um, the plot, not that much happens. Right. Is the thing. Well, yeah. yeah that's, I mean, some things happen, but yeah. you know what I'm saying. Things go awry. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's what's so impressive about the thing is that it really does feel like a pulpy C horror genre. It movie. uses a lot of those tropes. Right. And I think that's what something interesting is I was watching an interview earlier today yeah. about him reminiscing about the witch and how watching the witch for him is a little cringy because his re- he feels like it's littered with references of other things. He thinks that he just completely ripped off The Shining somehow. Oh, and of yeah. course that's gonna that's the he's yeah. the only person that's he's gonna the really, only one who's gonna see that because yeah. he probably loves The Shining so much. Blah sure. blah blah. And, you yeah. Know, but the lighthouse references a lot of things, but in a way that makes something completely new out of those it things. It sure does, yeah. And I actually heard I heard a quote from him where he sort of slammed HP Lovecraft. And I've talked I, I love Lovecraft so much and yeah. I want to do an episode on him. But nevertheless, I heard him uh Egger slam that where he was like, if HP Lovecraft had written this movie, it would have been oh, there's a god inside the light of the lighthouse and it comes out with its tentacles at the end and eats whoever. And, yeah. and like there would have been a cult, a secret cult there the whole time in a yeah. cave somewhere off the island or whatever. And he wanted to write a, a, a story that raised more questions than it answered. Yeah. And I think he did a good job. And I don't think he's primarily pulling from H.P. Lovecraft for a lot of this stuff. He has some of it, but he's pulling from classical mythology as much as he is pulling from sort of pulp C-grade yeah. horror. And which is why I think it reads like literary fiction to some yeah. extent. It's very sort of high art yeah. in a lot of ways. It's very much, much more about how Patton's character is experiencing the thing that's happening and less about the thing that's happening. Which goes right back to what I was talking about with the witch. And even before that, when we were talking about him um, generally, is that I think what he's primarily interested in so far in his career is the psychological reality of these characters. Right. It's really not w- about what happens actually. He's trying to break down, in these first two films anyway, he sort of breaks down this subject-object or self and world distinction 
such that he's only interested in the psychological experience and reality. What does that person think is happening? And that's as far as he wants to go. Mm-hmm. Right or what is that person experiencing in their own subjectivity? That's as far as he wants to and go. And that's probably to why I feel feel that way about the protagonist of the witch. Sure, having being so distant from it, it's just really just her experience. Yes, you know, and it and, is about her experience. Yeah, and and I think that's why he can use all these. I mean, he made a movie about witches in yeah. you know the early 1600s, and he made a movie about octopus elder monster mermaids. gods and mermaids in the 1890s. And still it reads like, I mean, both of his films read like high art. And he's on the books to remake Nosferatu. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And his next movie is going to be a a Viking revenge story. I heard that. Do you know what it's called? I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah. But The Lighthouse, this movie is drenched in mythological references. Sure. Like it's it's there's a really really good article I want to give credit where credit is due by Robert Daniels who writes uh, this blog post for RogerEbert.com actually yeah it's not just a film review but it's a it's an article exploring the sort of influences that are used by Eggers and his brother who he wrote the movie with so can I read a quick quote from this. Yeah. So Daniel says, The icy relationship between Thomas and Winslow, the two characters, hinges upon language, especially the dialects of the 1890s New Englanders. To match the period, Eggers turned to the poetry and prose of Sarah Orne Jewett, who I've heard him reference in a lot of interviews that he talks about. Um, She lived the entirety of her life in New Brunswick, Maine, and couched her writing in regionalism, portraying the rhythm of speech of the period. Her poetry, particularly the the way she she uses um, cesuras. Um, I don't know what that is. And her interviews with sea captains greatly informed Defoe's Thomas's dialect and accent. So here we go. Defoe's character, Thomas relies on a stop-go pattern of speech mixed with colloquialisms, which lies in contrast to Winslow's down-east farmer intonations. So like the way that... Um, this is me speaking now. I'm not quoting. What the hell is this guy talking about? I know. <laughs> so like... but. Those things, those details that most viewers will never, ever think about. They're just going to think that, why is Robert Pattinson talking like John F. Kennedy? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Most people will never, ever think about that. Just like most people will never, ever think about the process that he used filmmaking-wise to get to that aspect ratio, et cetera, et cetera. Right. My guess is that most people who see this movie are going to go, it's weird that it wasn't wide, right? It's weird it didn't take up the whole thing. And similarly, people are never going to think into, people are never going to learn about Sarah Orne Jewett and her, you right. know, accurate understanding of colloquialisms and et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, it's those attention, it's those little bits of attention to detail that I think make him so interesting for nerdy creative people to yeah. dig into his sort of process, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so there's, there are references to, I mean, some of the themes, just to, just to tease these out, some of them, these I read about and some I'm just thinking of, right? It's a, it's a Prometheus story who right. is trying to climb Mount Olympus to sort of get the light right. to some extent. You also see this at the, with the very last shot of the film because Prometheus was uh, punished by Zeus. He was chained to a rock for all of eternity, and then he was assigned, there was assigned a bird, an eagle, to feast on his liver and eyes over and over. Yeah, and the last shot of the film is Pattinson. It's so visceral, too. Getting eaten over it's and over. It's beautiful. Yes, it is. And, it's and beautiful. I, th- I think you even you even said it. It feels like that. Plus a, a few different other shots from the yeah. movie. 
feels like a painting. Yeah. And which, I think he references paintings for some does. of his frames that are essentially just a dolly out. Yes. Yes, he uh so so uh one name that I came across and I actually looked at some of his paintings. This was a naturalist painter who painted New England seascapes and landscapes. Um and uh, you know what? I'll throw a picture up uh hopefully I'll remember this. I'll throw a picture up of one of his paintings on our Instagram. Uh Andrew Wyeth was his name, but naturalist New England yeah. painter who painted this stuff and it's like Robert Eggers is digging into this stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. he's drawing from all these things. He's not just he's not Tarantino in that way. Do you right. know what I mean? He's not just watching films and doing. And I'm not saying one's better. Yeah, no, but no, I, 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 that's it's an interesting quirk of this particular yeah. dude that he's into this kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, you know, and, and for me, I, I think that's super interesting, and and it uh, kind of endears this filmmaker. Yeah, for me, to me, I don't have the same kind of feelings towards a lot of that stuff that you do. Sure, yeah, but I think that he, ha- <laughs> the the way he approaches it is, is, is there's a nice uh, bridge there. Yeah. Between kind of multiple yeah. uh, obsessions, I guess, um, yeah. that he probably has. Um, so how much how much of, of this do you think for him is just completely self-indulgent? Um, how much do you think he's like, he, that he cares that like people pick up on it? Or do you think he just like, just wants to waller in it himself during oh, the process? Man. Yeah. No, I think think that my read on him and and granted this comes from watching two feature lengths and then listening to a handful of interviews so who knows but my read on Robert Eggers is that he would very much appreciate an audience and a fan base who's into him as an artist right right so not just Robert Pattinson as a performer Willem Dafoe as a performer Right. right, who aren't just into performers, but who are into artists more generally. We're not talking right. about Ron ha- Howard here. No, we're not no, talking no. about Steven Spielberg. No, even. we're not. No, or even like we spoke spoken about before. I don't know if it's been released yet, but like a Tim Burton. Yes, who even has a very specific visual style. Very specific. Dude's not no. writing his. It's his... not. And, and an interesting thing is, so this is this is one you know uh, sort of way in for us to talk about creativity in relation to Robert Eggers is what is the artistic output of a Robert Eggers then is it only the films in isolation I mean to some extent I think it's not right yeah it's the films but to some extent it's not that you have to go and read about how he made the movie but if you want to do that the process that he's using to make at least the lighthouse the process he's using is part of the artistic output yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's super interesting. It's something you usually only find with visual artists, mm-hmm. uh, at least in my experience. I'm sure there are other filmmakers that I'm just not aware of. Sure. But uh, but yeah, nah, I don't know. That's not even in my notes. I'm just thinking of this now. But I think that's part of the sort of artistic output is here's how we got here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know, and I, I fully believe that this guy has... If he were offered to direct a Batman movie, he just wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He He's, said that in an interview that I yeah. heard, actually. He was like, I wouldn't be interested in doing that. Right. And Pattinson uh-huh. was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pattinson said, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because everybody wants to do that. But yeah, uh, let me let me see. I had I had one other thing that I want to say about Eggers, and in in one interview that I came across, actually in a, a number of interviews I came across, he wouldn't comment. Like when he was doing promos for The Witch, people would ask him, "So like, 
do you believe in this stuff? Like, are you actually, do you believe in witches? Do you believe in magic, et cetera, et cetera? And he wouldn't comment on whether he had, one person asked him if he'd ever had a supernatural experience, and he wouldn't comment, and what he said was he had, quote, nuanced views on things like religion and super, uh, spirituality and yeah. folk tales and mythology. And he, you know, he did say he cared about that stuff more than he cared about movies, which is interesting. Yeah. In another interview, in a couple interviews, actually, I heard him say the words, my own personal ontology is private. Um, I heard him use this word ontology a couple times, which is how I know he's sort of into high art and up his own ass about this stuff. Right. Um, because that's a philosophy word. I don't know the word. Yeah, it's it means it has to do with like what you think exists in the world, essentially. Right. My ontology. Does your ontology include fairies or not? It could be a question, right? Gotcha. Something like that. And so it's this philosophy like $5 word. That's and why you like this guy. That's so part much. of why I like this. I mean, when I when I heard him say that, I was like, no wonder I like this dude's movies. Of course I do. He's playing right to me. Um, so anyway, his ontology is uh, private. You'll never know if he believes in witches or not. It, it, what, what's interesting is like the things I like about this guy as a filmmaker are also the things that really turn me off about him. Interesting, which is weird. Meaning what? So he 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 did a, he did like a a. a a podcast. He recorded a podcast with Ari Aster. Yeah. Who I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Um, it's basically it was for A24, and A24 uh-huh. is a film studio known for basically purchasing uh risky art house art house movies, yeah. genre movies. Yeah. Um, their first movie was Under the Skin, mm-hmm. um, which if you haven't seen is kind of a must watch. Um, Mika Levy's score is like dope. <laughs> um, and that was her first film score. Yeah. But the the uh, like the the first thing he says in the conversation you know i'm just like so psyched to hear these <laughs> two guys just yeah talk craft and he's yeah uh, the the first thing he says is something about like okay so like everything we reference and this this is a like a over, paraphrase over generalized yeah. but he's essentially saying we need to find a through line for everything we talk about yeah. to talk about um the filmmaker <laughs> yeah ingmar bergman yeah and Which I'm is like, a name that I know, but I'm sure. not enough of a like. I, he's like a sweet Swedish filmmaker. Yeah, from what I understand, like when he when he went to a close up, like it really meant something. Yeah, kind of thing. Sure. Um, and uh, you know they they had a lot to say about this, yeah this filmmaker, and I think a, he's probably an influence for many of the great auteurs of the world. Sure. Currently. But the, the first, I'm like, I'm really interested in the fact that he really cares about that. But at the same yeah. time, I'm like, yeah. Oh, man. You're yeah, going you're, you're to be pretentious <laughs> on me. Like, I totally agree. You know what I mean? I listen to that podcast. I feel the same way. Yeah. And yeah. it's a it's an odd feeling of like yeah. admiration and just uh-huh. being put off. And also being like, <laughs> damn it. Yeah. You're going to talk about this the whole time? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I totally agree. He does have a level of, and, and I wonder I wonder if that will affect your rating of him in general. He does have a level of inaccessibility or sort of elitism to him, right? Yeah. It, I mean, he certainly does. There's pretension. Which yeah. is which is weird because the at least so far with his two films, the tropes that he's played with are like traditionally sort of non-pretentious tropes. I mean, right. H.P. Lovecraft is sort of pretentious a little bit. He uses, he uses big words, but at the same time, he's pulpy as yeah, crap. It's pulp. And pulp, yeah, exactly. Pulp tension. Yeah, and then we did a whole episode on, on, on witches, and I mean, a lot of that stuff comes up in sort yeah. of low art kind of schlock horror stuff. So it's it's interesting that he keeps coming returning to these tropes over and over, Yeah, but at the same time, he, he has this level of like, let's talk about Bergman. 
<laughs> right. And like he he does he does an interview with yeah. with somebody, and I don't know that he's trying to make them feel stupid. Sure. But you see this look of like, yeah, just like deer in the headlights like, from an interviewer okay. of like, right, like, <laughs> yeah. and I don't, I don't know that 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 that's his intention. I just think he genuinely is just such an uber nerd. Yeah, you know. Well, and I mean, like I just like I said a few minutes ago, right? I mean, he used the word ontology in multiple interviews that I heard, <laughs> and he's talking to like Vice and like yeah. you know, he's not talking to like you know, philosophy journals or something like that. Right. But he keeps returning to this word and it's like, yeah, I mean, it is it is an interesting question of like how much of that is pretension and how much of that is, nah, dude, that's just who this guy is. That's just what yeah. he's into. And so yeah. maybe you don't connect, but like it's not about you not connecting for him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He would mm-hmm. be fine if you totally got it. Right. It's just that's how he talks or that's yeah. how he thinks or that's what he reads or whatever. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to rate this guy. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm really on the fence about... I feel like I need a third third movie to give him an honest. Yeah. Um, you want you want to start? Yeah, man. Uh, so I I mean, here's the deal. The only downside that I see for this guy is that he has potentially some pretentiousness or pretension built right. into him, and that is a bummer. I tend not to like that stuff. Like, but you love this guy. But I love this guy. Yeah, I do. He's too. made two of my favorite movies yeah. ever, and he's only made two movies. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, I I get down with all the um to the extent that he's not being pretentious on purpose and that he's just nerdy in this weird way yeah. that some people don't connect with. I'm totally fine with like five dollar words if you're not trying to be inaccessible to people. Do you know what I'm right. saying? If if that's just what you want to say, right. then that's I, cool. I think I think I think not only could the lighthouse play on. Uh, joe bob briggs show yeah i think he'd be okay with it that's a great point yeah that i hadn't thought about yeah um sure it's super pretentious yes yes it could play on it it could play at the drive-in but joe bob briggs would laugh about the fact that it was pretentious and then enjoy the scenes with the tentacles and the whatever yeah absolutely i think i am going to rate robert eggers i'm gonna give him 9.5 out of 10 Damn yees! <laughs> I'm gonna give him nine point five out of ten. Damn yees! Yeah, and just because like <laughs> I, I I don't get as tickled by the philosophy yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm a movie guy, of course. I'm like craft, 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 and yeah. because he's into craft, I'm gonna give him eight point five. I love it. Birds picking at human <laughs> bodies in both of his movies. Like, That's true. Both, both of them. Movies. Oh my god. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah, I need to watch The Witch Let again. Let Neptune strike ye dead, Winslow. <laughs> and what's so great about that god, is that that's like so good. First of all, it's it was a universe casting. Yes. Willem Dafoe yes. <laughs> from from so from from a craft. <laughs> perspective yeah loves to rehearse he loves, loves to, rehearse. to chew up the scenery oh he chews it's it like up. so he, good like that character feels very natural whereas yeah. whereas um bad luck to kill a seabird <laughs> right whereas pattinson was very uncomfortable yeah with revealing himself yeah he didn't um, want to give 110 percent in rehearsal he wanted no, to save it but yeah. like he's he's closed off but yeah, like yeah, yeah. he'll 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 deliver the goods yeah. but not before it's not time. before it's time yeah for sure and as an actor and as as a persona, he is very mysterious, and yeah. so is that character. Yeah. It's just 
it one just, of those universe, universe castings. It worked of, out so well. The, um, I'll say one more thing before we wrap, and that was the film The Lighthouse. Uh, I love it a ton. I've seen it twice now. It was more... When I walked out of the theater the first time, and I've told you this, when I walked out of the theater the first time, I thought... Well, that was really, really good. I loved it, but it wasn't scary. I mean, it wasn't a horror movie. Right. Um, it, it, you know, and that was not a problem for me. Right. But that was just my impression. I was like, it wasn't scary. It wasn't a horror movie, but I loved it. Um, yeah. and, and then, I, and I don't know that it is a horror movie. No, I, I agree. Yeah. I don't think it is. Um, but I got home that night, and um, Maggie was not staying at home, and 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 Travis was not staying at home, and so I was at home by myself in the dark going to sleep and then i just my mind just ran over and over willem defoe's voice being like why'd you spill your, your beans <laughs> and it was like it affected me much more than i thought it did initially yeah and that was really fun and really wonderful and i was like that sank into my last mind. thing yes please for those of you who have seen it yeah the buried scene yeah the dirt in the eyes and the mouth yeah was dirt in the eyes and it the was mouth. dirt in the eyes and the mouth. not in a studio nope in the cold, yep. Real elements yep. shot on the second day. Yep. Oh, second day. The second day. Yeah. And they did two takes of it, right? They That's did what I heard. Two and a half takes. Two and a half. Oh. The first take, Lord. wasn't getting there. The second take was a bust because yeah. the dolly or, or the crane oh, hit wind. Goodness. The third, Ooh. second and a half take. Yeah. Was it? Oh my goodness. Um. Yeah. And and I think Eggers basically said any of the crew that wasn't just in it yeah realized they were making something special that gotcha day. yeah so there you have it robert eggers we have 8.5 and 9.5 out of 10 respectively yeah. for robert eggers based on two movies that we may have to do another robert yeah. eggers um in the future yeah depending the, on if he puts out some the, more the work thing, the thing that <laughs> the, the part of me that just repels pretension yeah. wanted to give him a lower score sure He's so dope, I can't. But he's so good. He's yeah, so good. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, probably thanks. deserved a higher score than what I gave him. Yeah. Do we got uh, we got stuff to plug before we get out of here? You got stuff you want to talk about? I mean, you know, follow us on the social media. Uh, thanks to yeah. the DNN for for hosting our uh, lovely little show here. Absolutely. Thanks so much to all the Destination Nation Network folks. Lots Go of over good and, shows there. You into animation? They've got one. Yeah, they do. Go over and check out all the shows on DestinationComics.com. A lot of good podcasts on there send to us your suggestions for stuff you want to hear us talk about we might do it who knows yeah, send to us those here's the thing here's the thing send us those and a lot of you listening let's just be honest we know our audience you know us yeah. <laughs> reach out and tell us you want us to talk about something if you have something or just tell us um, we're doing a great job we always love that too so uh, check us out on hey, Instagram well, yeah rate us on iTunes we never did That's we ever ask point. anyone to rate us we on iTunes haven't before asked, no please rate, go on and rate us on iTunes and if you're going to rate us uh, low just don't worry about it um, <laughs> but if you're going to rate us high go on there and give us five stars and say yeah. most funny podcast ever in the most world most funny of most it. funny of it uh, check us out on Instagram at common creatives podcast and you can send us emails at common creatives podcast at gmail.com just reach out and say whatever you want if you got something you want us to talk about who knows maybe we will yeah. um, mom just call, just give me a call you don't have to yeah Bonnie, just send him a text or call him and let him know what you yeah. want us to talk about. All right, so that's all we got on Robert Eggers for this time. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You're welcome, everybody. And uh, would you say that you concur, Doctor? I reckon I do. Damn ye! <laughs> Damn ye! <laughs> Thank you for listening, DNN. 
burp. <laughs>